Good morning, Glenridge. Um, it is a privilege to be up here. Um, so yeah, Z's already prayed. I'm not going to pray anymore. Don't want to undo any of the good work he's already done this morning. Um, you know, it's amazing how God just works and just speaks. Um, I wish I could say we're slick enough to put it all together the way it just threads together. But God actually threads the service. And from the beginning of the service, he's been speaking about trust. The only other person who knew I was going to speak about trust this morning is Malindi. But he's spoken about trust to many people this morning. And, and it's just amazing how God just begins to speak through the service before anyone even gets up to give a preach or give a message. God has already been working in people through different um, if you've got your Bibles, turn to Jeremiah um, chapter 18. Um, whilst you're turning there, um, yeah, God has been threading this whole theme that he's been threading. Um, now, I'm, I'm, I'm going to take a bold step of faith here. This is certainly not my thing, um, especially to give a word of knowledge in this way. Um, it's just not my thing. Um, because I think, I think it's bizarre. But what God does with it is up to him. Um, it's not my business. If the numbers, Christian usually does as well. I should ask him to do this. If the numbers 444, three fours, mean anything significant to you, um, I'd like you to come up after the service. Um, I'm not even sure what God wants to say, but the past two weeks, I've been seeing the clock on 4.44 um, a few times. Um, in the afternoon, in the morning. Um, don't ask me why I'm up at 4.44, but I've seen the numbers 4.44, and God just told me it's significant for someone. Whether it's a birthday, 4th of April, 2004, whether it's in your phone number, whether it's in your address. But if it has any significance, or if it's your favorite scripture, I don't know, somewhere, triple four. Um, so I pray that God works in your heart while I speak. And yeah, after the service, please come up. If I don't have a word of knowledge for you, someone will. I'm trusting God that someone will. So before I jump into it, um, prayer meeting. Two weeks back, um, the kids have gone off now. I found Fred Bester, who's probably that side as well, watching children, security, and told him I had a word for Lily, his daughter. I think it's his only child, only daughter. So I said to him, because Lily wasn't there, I'll share it with Lily on Sunday when I see them. I went that side to pick up my children on Sunday. First person who came running to me was Lily Bester. And she was literally bouncing. Ooh, ooh. I'm like, Lily, what's wrong? You've got a word. You've got a word. <laughs> yes, Lily. Can I get my kids first? Okay. Okay. <laughs> You've got a word. <laughs> and the Bible says the kingdom, um, we should be like children in the kingdom. And I'm praying this morning that, not just this morning, every time we get an opportunity to hear God's word, we are that excited to hear God speak. Okay, Jeremiah 18. Over the past 
few months, I would say, we've had that sign up and we've been in the series of holiness. And um, a lot has been said about the character. It's not a character trait of God. It's who God is and um, in his essence that he is holy. Um, so a lot has been said about the holiness of God. He's other. He's different to us. Um, you know, he's called us to be holy. I'm not going to dwell on that today. Um, I'd encourage you to go back and listen to those on podcasts if you'd like to. But it brought me to a question. Sorry, you can tell I don't do this often. I need to put my phone away before it starts ringing. Um, it brought me to a question, and, I, and, and I'll encourage all believers, absolutely everyone, questioning is one of the fundamentals of any believer. And I don't mean questioning in a negative, um, doubting way, but Proverbs 25 verse 2 says, it is the glory of God to conceal a matter, but it is the glory of kings to search out a matter. God wants us to search out his mysteries. God wants us to search out what is hidden. So you should always be asking questions. God, show me more. You said this, I want to see it. You said this, I want to see it physically. I want to believe it. I want to know it. Um, so the question I've been asking over this time is, if God is holy, so what? What does that mean to me? Um, practically, every day, Monday to Friday, do I just wake up knowing, well, Saturday and Sunday as well, do I just wake up knowing that I've got this awesome, amazing God, you know? How does it impact me on a daily? What does it mean for me? So I got to Jeremiah, and I read from 18, verse 1 to 6. The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause you to hear my words. Then I went down to the potter's house, and there he was, making something at the wheel. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hands of the potter. So he made it again into another vessel, as it seemed good to the potter to make. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter says? Sorry, can I not do with you as this potter says the Lord? Look, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. Jeremiah was known as the weeping prophet. He had a very difficult call on his life. Um, the calling that he had was kind of difficult. He was called at a time when Israel was going into exile, um, was about to go into exile. The kings were going to be captured. There was going to be 70 years in Babylon. Um, there was going to be an, an oppression and wars from the north and people will be taken away. There will be a little bit of a remnant. So you can imagine all that he had to say didn't go down very well with the people of his day. Um, but we see here in this text, God says that um, he wishes his people Israel to be like clay in the hands of the potter to do what he wants to do with it. Um, I need to just take a step back a bit um, just to explain what hopefully we can, some of what we can achieve this morning. Because as we've already learned, God is about the bigness of God during this holiness series. 
So anything I say can never be a complete picture of what it means to us for God to be holy. But it's just a taste and some of what it is. And a bit of how I felt, if you know the movie Sounds of Music, that is a hit in my family. If you put on the Sounds of Music, um, you got all of, all of our attention, all of us, even me. Um, and there is there's a part when um, Maria is teaching them about music, and he teaches them, she teaches them the musical scale, the do, re, mi, fa, so, la, ti, do. So they're singing on the hillside, so, do, la, fa, mi, re, do. And one of, <laughs> not that good. Not that good. And, and, and one of the children says, but it doesn't mean anything. And sometimes when we speak about that word, holy, it's sort of like, it's so big. What does it mean? It doesn't mean anything. We understand it's huge, but what does it mean? And then she starts putting words to each of those musical notes. When you know the notes to sing. Kutsai is enjoying it. <laughs> um, she starts to teach her children to use that musical scale to put building blocks to it, use them as building blocks to start making music. Okay, I'm not going to teach you about music this morning, but it's some of what I'm hoping to achieve, to say part of the building blocks of knowing that God is holy is that we can trust him. If I were to give the message a title this morning, I'll call it The Grand Potter. Okay. So coming back to Jeremiah's call, being a difficult one, like it is to unlock this device. Jeremiah had this difficult call, but um, before God called him to his mission, um, we're still staying in the book of Jeremiah. If you go to Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 4 to 8, if you'd like to turn there, you can, but um, yeah. Then the word of the Lord came to me saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. He's speaking directly to Jeremiah here. Um, as he calls Jeremiah as a youth. Um, so I'm not sure where the pictures, every picture I saw of Jeremiah was an old man with a bald hair and long beard, um, sort of like um, Malaysia, but with, without the hair, you know, and gray. But it says yeah, he was called in his youth. Before I formed you, in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. Then I said, Ah, Lord, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a youth. He was called in his youth. But the interesting thing is God calls out Jeremiah. And if you, if you look at the wording he uses, he uses the words I and you all the time. He gets very personal with Jeremiah. He, he doesn't use the plural. Even the you there is not you collectively. He says, I formed you in your mother's womb. I consecrated you. I called you a prophet. So God really wants to get to know each and every one of us personally. Um, if you're looking at the imagery in Jeremiah 18 that we just read, he says, go to the potter's house and see the clay that he's working with. 
Um, and it's not the first time God uses the imagery of being a potter. In Genesis 2 verse 7, he says, He took the dust of earth and formed a man. God, once again, is a creative God. He takes a vessel. He takes earth. He takes clay. And he forms it into a person. But as God forms clay into a person, one thing we often do with clay is once you've made that vessel to be whatever... Sorry, this isn't clay. It's plastic. But if this were a clay jar, to get it to a point where it can hold water, what you would do is, once you formed it, you'd put it in the oven to bake, and you'd fire it, so it holds its shape and it holds its form. But that's not what God, how God does things. That's not what God says to Jeremiah. He says, I wish you were like clay in my hands, that when I need to change your form, I can change it. When, I need, when it's marred and no longer suits the purpose and I need to repurpose it, I can do that. So if you look at Genesis once again in creation, when God formed man, he took him, he molded him. He didn't put fire into him, but he breathed into him. Um, the title in the Bible that I read says it's the breath of life. He gave him the breath of life. And you can imagine the breath of life being CPR, boof, boof. But you have to get a bit intimate. It's mouth to mouth to breathe that life into a person. God gets, wants us intimately. God wants us intimately to get with us. I would poetically, because it's not in the Bible, call it the kiss of life. To give us a kiss of life today. And if you look at the wording in Jeremiah, um, he says, like, like clay in my hands, so I hold you, O house of Israel. God wants us to be in his hands. I can just imagine God just saying, you're like, you're like my child. I'll kneel down and I'll hold your face and I want to speak to you and I want to get to know you personally because it is in that space that we begin to know God deeply for who he is. It is in that space that we begin to learn to trust who God is. And what I'm praying for this morning as we share some of this is God will take us, a lot of us into that space, not just corporately coming together like this to say we're going to church, we're going to find out about God, but in our homes, let's dive deep, let's get to know who God is, let's learn to trust him. He called us on a personal walk first and foremost. The other thing I often wonder is if you look in the book of Genesis, is God does not create or the account. Um, I've never studied the book of Genesis as a scholar, so I don't want to assume I know everything about the book of Genesis. But what intrigues me is he doesn't create Adam and Greg and Lufefe and Paul all at once. He could have. He creates Adam. Even before Eve, he creates one man. It speaks of the intimacy that God wants with each and every one of us. It speaks of the depth of love that God wants to have with each and every one of us. It's always a reminder. Um, another quick story about our family. At some point in time, my clever wife realized that um, she is. <laughs> 
realize that you know it's important for us to have one and one on one time with each of our children we've got three children schedules get busy they school there is sports there is this there is that i don't know how the spooners do it with five with three children you can barely get time to spend with one child but i promise you if you have children try however whether one goes for a sleepover and one goes to a friend and you've got time with one child the depth that that relationship with that individual grows to is amazing you learn things about the child you never knew that lives under your roof you learn about their dreams their hopes and aspirations you you get to know each other in a more intimate way so likewise with god i'd like to encourage that that is more of what we search for god wants us wants us to know him personally god is already calling out to us you know the amazing thing is god is already there waiting he's just waiting for us to step into him and say lord now i'm here make time for him and you'll see the fruits of that relationship begin to go begin to grow back to jeremiah chapter 18 I'm just getting there, if you can bear with me. So as God creates Adam, before Eve, God wants to get to know Adam. But then God introduces community with Eve, because he doesn't want us to walk this alone. He starts introducing family. And I believe this is a picture of family here this morning he starts introducing family he wants you to get to know him get to trust him and then learn to start doing that in community but also God when he introduces family um, another thing that amazes me when you read through Genesis God doesn't give Adam the mission until he's in community until Eve comes along then he says be fruitful multiply and subdue the earth only once you're in community God starts speaking to you and through others within your community God will give you will commission you God will give you mission God will tell you go and some of that going is trusting God for your going um, because you can so he says to um, in verse 2 he says to Jeremiah arise and go down to the potter's house comma and there I will give you my words. When I read this with my questioning mind, always questioning, and I put myself in the story, I say, if I were Jeremiah, I'd say, Lord, hold on. You're speaking now. I can hear you. Give me everything. Why do I need to go to the potter's house first before you give me your words? I can hear you now. You know, that, that, that would probably be my response. But this is where the issue and the question of trust begins to come in. When God puts you on mission, you might say, arise and go. Part of the picture and not the full picture. The word comes to Jeremiah and it, it, it seems almost incomplete until he fulfills part of the mission, which God says to him, go down to the potter's house. Um, a quick story. And I'll credit this one to the Wiggleys because I shared this with the Wiggleys. 
and they said there's a preacher there. <laughs> but um, there was a time when we went to, I've got four brothers, so five of us traveling on public transport to my grandparents' place, Etoleeni, which is a forgotten land between Ladysmith and Dundee, um, on public transport. So take a taxi, Durban, Ladysmith. You get there, time's going. You probably left here at 12, it's about 4 o'clock. By the time you get to Ladysmith, jump on another bus to Etoleeni, but it's not close enough to where you need to get to go. You jump on the taxi, get you a bit closer to where you need to go. And by the time we jumped out that taxi, it is dark. It is nighttime. And I'm talking in, in the farm areas. There's no street lights. There are no lights. There was no electricity. People use candles. So it's not even like there's an outside light somewhere to give it. It is dark. And we knew the way, fortunately, because we're there every other holiday. We could walk it in our sleep, just about. But trying to walk through a plane for about, um, it must have been about two to three kilometers, if memory serves me right, in pitch darkness. You know where you need to go. And on the other side is my grandma standing with a flashlight. And that's all we could see of our destination. My grandma standing outside in a flashlight. Not bright enough to light up the way, but just to show you, it's like a beacon of where you're going. And all you can see is two steps in front of you. The rest is in absolute darkness. Between where you are and where you need to go is in absolute darkness. But sometimes, just like God does here with Jeremiah when he says, arise and go, and I'll speak to you later. Um, sometimes that's all it is. God puts you on mission and says, trust me for the rest of it. You can see there's two steps now. It's arise and go. You can see the destination is the potter's house. But the rest I'll tell you when you get there. So sometimes, knowing that God is holy is knowing that in those moments, I've got a God who is faithful. I've got a God who is trustworthy. I've got a God that in the darkness I can walk with. Um, this is also true of Jeremiah's story. Jeremiah is called in this difficult period in Israel's time to tell them of the armies that are coming to, from the north to take their people away, to call them to repentance and says, if you repent, I'll do otherwise. God calls Jeremiah to the nations in the north um, to speak to them of the goodness of God. You know, sometimes texts like this in Jeremiah get a bad rap because it's like, oh, it's a picture. Some people will tell you it's a picture of an angry God who just wants to get rid of people and get rid of nations. No, it's the picture of a loving God who can't stand to have any corruption happening on the face of the earth. That, you know what, I would rather get rid of all this corruption and start again than having people live through it. Um, so Jeremiah is called in that time. And during that time, I don't know if I mentioned that Jeremiah was called the weeping prophet. Jeremiah had, um, Jeremiah's life was under threat. And the political powers, the king, 
there's, there's a portion of this scripture. It's in Jeremiah 26, verse 11. And I'll just read that portion. Where it says, And the priests and the prophets spoke to the princes and all the people, saying, This man deserves to die, for he has prophesied against the city, as you have heard with your ears. And this isn't the only time. Countless number of times the word of the Lord comes to Jeremiah and he prophesies. He says, go and prophesy to the priest. Go and prophesy to the kings. Go and prophesy to the elders. And almost all the time, it's not the word that they want to hear. And they say, they're going to kill Jeremiah. Like, literally, we're going to kill you. And Jeremiah will often cry out to God as he's called the weeping prophet and say, Lord, this is difficult. Why should I be the one Lord, get rid of these people. Kill them. Smite them. All of them. Now. But he always comes back to, Lord, if it is your will, if it is your mission, if it is your goal, for me to go and prophesy that word to that people, God holds in trust because he knows God is holy and he will fulfill what he needs to fulfill um, for the sake of the people of Israel. So with Jeremiah's life constantly under threat in this manner, it reminded me also of the life of Jesus. Jesus himself said at some point in time, this temple will be torn, torn down and I'll rebuild it in three days. Speaking of the fact that he would die in three days. You know, Jeremiah trusted God with his life. He said, I will put my life in your hands and you do with it what you will for your purpose, for your mission, for your goal. Jesus did the same thing with his life. He said, I'll put my life in the Father's hand. But Jesus not only trusted God with his life, he took it a step further and trusted God even with death. Because when he's, he's in the garden of Gethsemane, he says, Lord, let this cup pass from me. This is not for me. He knows at that point in time, he's headed to the cross. And I've actually watched a documentary once where they give you the geography of where Getseman, Getsemane is. And they say it's on the edge of the city. And at that point in time, if Jesus wanted to run, he had that option. It was there. He could have ran. No one would have ever caught him. No one would have ever found him. But he says, not your will. Not my will, sorry. But yours be done. And he trusts the Father, even with death to say even if it means you put me through death i know you you said i'll resurrect i don't know what that looks like i don't think jesus knew what that looked like um jesus had never been incarnate into a man and gone through death before as much as he was fully god he was fully human he had full human experiences he was filled with anxiety at that point in time he sweated drops of blood that's how anxious he was about this experience but he trusted god even with death knowing that god whatever god wants to fulfill i don't need to know the whole picture but because you say so lord i will do it i will trust you with my life i will trust you with death that the seed that is being sown as we're speaking about seeds this morning and you know one thing about seeds when you plant it's about trust there's absolutely nothing you can do 
you just trust that that seed, have faith that that seed will come out the ground and, there'll be, and, and, and something will come out of it. So in, 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 in wrapping up, the mission has never changed. From the beginning, it's never changed. God says to Adam and Eve, be fruitful, multiply, and subdue the earth. From before a time, nations were formed. God speaks about subduing the earth. Multiply more of who you are and fill the earth with more people like you. Be fruitful, multiply, and subdue the earth. In Matthew 28, Matthew 28 verse 19, Jesus says, Go into all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. In Acts, he says, um, You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to all the ends of the earth. The mission's never changed. It's always been to go. It's been to go out. What I'd like to encourage you this morning is, trust God. He's holy. He's faithful. Trust God. What's the mission he's given you? What's the goal that he has given you? When he says, arise and go, what's your arise and go? To some, it would be, Jerusalem, your immediate vicinity within your city. Some of us, God has called us to in our city. Um, Jenny Ward this morning spoke about ministering to people in the supermarkets. People are just waiting for it. Um, some of us, is within our city, within our schools, within our offices. For some of us, it's just beyond the borders of our city. It's into Richmond. It's up into Belito. Um, it's called us within our region. To some, will be Samaria. Now, what Samaria was for the Jews was their enemies. Culturally, they were enemies. They didn't get along. These are the guys who caused the abomination. These, this, the, these are the guys whose fault it was that we went into exile for 70 years because they turned from the Lord and did wicked things upon the face of the earth. So we hate them bitterly. To some, that's where God is calling you. Culturally, those enemies, the Brits and the Boos, Boers, have to get over the Anglo-Boer War and go on mission. The Zulus and the Indians have to get over and heal from what happened in Phoenix and get on with the mission. If God says go, that's where we go. To some, it's the outer ends of the earth, to the unknown. Melinda usually says, to a place where you don't know the language. Now, when we went, we went to Paris once. And I promise you, the unknown is real. <laughs> we jumped off the train station. And we could not get out the train station. Because everything is written in French. The people are speaking French. No one speaks English. No one wants to speak to you. And God could possibly call you to that. Where you get there and you are absolutely lost. And you're like, Lord, what's going on here? The only way we got out is because we bumped into a guy from Algeria. And a guy from the Congo. And they're like, ah, you're from South Africa. Yeah. Ah, Macfish. Yes, yes, Macfish. <laughs> <laughs> 
with the picture and a bit of commonality we got out, but God could call you to a place you absolutely know nothing about, but it's to trust him. Do you know what that looks like in the meantime? Absolutely not. But if he said, arise and go, he's holy. You can trust him for that mission, and he will take care of that mission himself. That's where formally I end today's message on that note.